Bunzai! To baby trees. Bunzai. Bunzai! Bunzai. It's almost like once you start doing it, I you almost have to. Like it, it, yeah. it's. He takes his hand and grabs his hat on top of his head while he's looking at it. The Black Pondo Podcast. You can ask me anything. I'll, I'll talk about whatever. <laughs> nice. Okay. I think that we did meet each other at the 2018 National Show, right? I remember meeting you at the 2021. Was it 21? That was the last National Show. That's yes. right. Yes. That's I right. was excited okay. to meet you and I love seeing your Sierra there. Thank you so yeah. much. That's so very, very nice of you. And uh, it, it, it was, was great a, to it meet was you. Fun. Yeah. That was my first national show I've ever, I ever went to. So it was real. I just loved the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I, uh, I think the big shows are so important for the development of the bonsai community. And so I think it's, and it's also just so incredible what Bill does with that show. I totally agree. And I didn't, I didn't think that until I went to the show. You know, then you realize you know, it made it pushed me. It made me want to do more things. Yeah, I never, I never started doing this with any interest in display whatsoever. And then I realized I just didn't, I didn't want to do it all by myself. So I think totally just for that reason, getting together with people that are interested at it in a high level was is really exciting. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you so much for for doing this podcast with me. I really, really appreciate it. Man, I'm a big fan of all your work. the The videos that you post online are so fun, and your, your bonsai garden looks awesome. Love the trees that you collect, so it's super cool. Well, same really same with it. you. I've, I've actually been a fan of yours for quite a while, <laughs> so, so it, it's it's an honor to be on your podcast. I'm excited about it, and I listen to your to every episode and, and your previous podcast too. So, oh, yeah. thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited yeah. for this one. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. if it's cool, we'll, we'll jump right into it. Of course. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So would you first off just give me a little bit of background on yourself, maybe like non-bonsai related first? Sure. Yeah. So I have a landscaping business. I guess that's kind of where things started. And it's it's not landscape design and construction. We do the more boring side, maintenance and sprinkler systems and stuff. So I've always been into landscape design and stuff, but I've really only done it on my own yard. So that's part of the reason why I've gotten so into the, to my own garden, but yeah, so I have a landscape. I, that's the only job I've ever had. I started it right out of high school. So that was over 20 years ago now, like 22 years ago, 21. Um, and what else about me? What else would you like to know? You know, uh, so I know you're a father, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I've got two kids. I love being a dad. Awesome. Um, they're seven and three. Do you have two kids too? I do. Yeah. Mine are five and three. So we had them super close together. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. We're kind of in a similar age ourselves and seem yep. like we're maybe into some, you, and you live in California, right? I do. Yes. Yeah. Is I'm it Northern those... California? I'm right on the central coast. So I'm really like okay. in between the Bay area and the LA area. And what do you do for, for work? You don't do just bonsai, do you? No, not just bonsai. I work for a, uh, a medical staffing company 
and we provide staff to school districts and hospitals and things like that. So okay, it, it's cool. Yeah, it's a good company. Uh, I've been there for like right out of school. I went to UCSB, graduated in 06, and I've been with the same company since uh, right after graduating. So, okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. So I've had a, a long time job, but I've never tried working for somebody else. So I don't know how well I would do with that at this point. You know, <laughs> I <laughs> so, totally understand well, that. Another thing about me that's kind of maybe off in left field is I live in Puerto Rico for about five months a year, four and a half, five months. Oh, no way. Yeah. Which it sounds extravagant, but we just rent a place and I've been doing that for like 12 years. Wow. It's, it's one of the perks of having a seasonal business, you know. That is so cool. That yeah, I put very, the trees cool. away and then I, a, a three or four months in, I start to really miss my trees. <laughs> totally, so, totally. Yeah, yeah. So is that where the surfing comes into play? Exactly, yeah. Uh, makes sense, yeah. okay. Yeah, but the, that's why I do that. I'm obsessed <laughs> with surfing as well. <laughs> okay, because you're located yeah. in Michigan and I was like, how is, how is this guy into surfing so much? Yeah. And li- lives in Michigan. <laughs> well, believe it or not, it started in Michigan. Oh, really? Now, okay. Michigan actually has more coastline than the West Coast. Really? You know? okay, but so. it's a lake, obviously. But, you know, it's a lake that feels like an ocean. It's, totally. it's pretty vast and it, we can get some pretty big waves. But it's not as good as surfing is. Although I did surf quite a bit in my life in Michigan. California is much better. So do you surf? <laughs> you know, I... Uh, took surfing lessons, but in Hawaii. And I came to California and I was like, oh, I'm going to get into surfing. And then I went out one time, water was like very, very cold. It was a much different experience. Waves were quite a bit different and I quickly got out of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm sure that if you were in the right scenario again, you would enjoy it, but it's not for everybody, you know, it just, one of those things that right from the beginning, I just fell into it and couldn't get enough. That, so. I I think that is so cool. Like I I could see myself getting into surfing potentially. I, I'm sure if I lived in Hawaii, I'd get into it. It, it was an incredible experience, and uh, I I feel like people get just crazy addicted to surfing. And it's, yeah, it it's almost like, feels like it. It could. It, it's literally changed my drive in, in life, and to to from trying to make as much money as I could and stuff to really not caring about that. And now I focus on surf and family and trees they're almost more important to me than <laughs> as long as i can pay my bills you know yeah so yeah sounds sounds like a good life to me man <laughs> <laughs> everything has its ups and downs but we, we totally love it right now i'm in my busy spring season for the business so it's not my favorite this time of year because it's so busy but i still get my tree time in every day <laughs> so yeah that that's so yeah. cool yeah anyway. so where, like, how did you learn bonsai? Because I'm, I'm very impressed with the work that you have done. And it seems like you do a lot of work on your own trees. Is, is that correct? Yeah, I, I've actually never had anybody work on any of my trees. I like to do it myself. I, I've done so much collecting and I stare at the tree for years while it waits to be ready to collect it. And I, I just want to try it myself. And that's, and I did not do very good in the beginning. And I just, trial and error it, you know, I, I haven't had any kind of formal teaching, but I've had some people locally, like in my club, um, there's a guy named Bruce Baker and another guy named Dean Bull. They opened my eyes to, especially to bigger material and bigger collecting, just collecting in general and stuff. 
those two guys, they're both on Instagram and they're really good and they're, they've really helped me out. So that's fantastic. I've seen probably a couple of Bruce's trees before. Um, Mm -hmm. so that is, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. How long have you been doing bonsai? Well, I started in 2014 and I remember you on Bonsai Nut, the forum that we're both part of. Solid. In that year, I think it was that year. It could have been the next year. And there's a, this might be funny too, but there was a, certain things stick out to you, you know, in your memory. And this was something that's always stuck out to me as a post you made about the Sierras that you collected. I think there were two of them. And I remember commenting on them that I thought they were world-class. But at that time, I, I wasn't collecting stuff like that. But it just really stuck out. It was like, he's collecting these world-class Sierras. What if I have world-class trees that I could try to find, you know? So it was really, it was actually um, something that really stuck out to me, your post there and those trees. Oh. Yeah. Oh, man. Thank you so much. That's very, very kind of you. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, uh, but the, I think they both were... Um, well, I remember one of them was in an extra big box. For sure. And then you I, cut it down, right? Yeah. 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 I think, yeah. Uh, especially when I was first starting to collect, I would keep as many roots as possible and I would build these giant long boxes tight yep. against the roots still. So the roots. Yeah. I don't know. Have... Maybe there's nothing wrong with that. I think. Yeah. If it's a really special tree, it might be worth the extra time. I agree with you. I agree with you. I just did that last year with some stuff I collected on some extra big boxes, which I don't like, but it's like, you know, I'm happy that they're doing great. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I started in 2014 and um, I've actually had an interest since I was a little kid. I've going through boxes from when I was younger, I found some old bonsai books, which I thought was kind of (laughs) cool. Yeah. You know, karate kid and just like everybody else. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Did you hear the intro of the podcast? Like the yeah, for sure, Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Do you, I, I wasn't sure what people would think about that, and oh, I loved it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, no, the I, I'm trying to think who else was in there. There was uh, maybe Matt Real was in there, and um, Tyler Sherrod. I think was yeah, right? I think it's it's yeah. Tyler and uh, Roy Minerai. Oh, okay, yeah, I don't know if yep. I know Roy's voice, but. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Karate Kid. I feel like that movie gets so many people into bonsai. Probably still now. I love those movies. I totally. loved those when I was a kid. Yeah. Me too. Super fun. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Cool. So, so you started in 2014. You've been mostly self, self-taught learning at, uh, through your bonsai club. Uh, do you have other influences within your bonsai work or are there other people that you follow that you're really into? Yeah. I mean, it, I feel pretty lucky that getting into bonsai in the last 10 years, I've, there's been, there's just so much online, you know, just seeing what other people are doing. I do a lot with Ryan's videos on bonsai, you know, the bonsai Mirai, what do they call it? You know, anyway, his videos, I get a lot out of that, but also a big one for me was Nick Lenz. Do you know Nick Lenz? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Uh, it's great that in the last 
several years, the it seems like the streaming thing has become really big. And I think Ryan really kind of started that. And I am a member to Bonsai Mirai Live as well. Uh, I also have one to Bjorn's. Uh, yes, Bonsai I do U, too. I do too. Yeah. Love both of them. <laughs> Me too. I love them both. I, I love, you know, I don't get a chance to watch every video like I did when I first started, but I try to watch the ones that pertain to what I'm up to, you know? For sure. For sure. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. They do such a good work with those. Oh, yeah. We got so many good American professionals now and places to learn. I would like to do more of it in person, but I, I live in, you know, pretty far up in Northern Michigan. So I feel like in California, I could be wrong, but you have a little more access to people because you've done quite a bit with Peter T, right? Yeah. Yeah. Peter, I mean, he's still, he's pretty far for me. He's, Is he's he? a, he's about five and a half hour drive. Okay. But I yeah, mean, you just have still, to be willing, you know, certain things because yeah, I could get yeah. to Chicago in that amount of time. So nice. nice. Yeah. 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 Peter's great. He He's my main teacher and uh, I go see him very frequently. I was just there last weekend and I spent three days with him. So I do like three, three days in a row to yeah. make it worth the time, you know? And yeah, he, he's fantastic. We do have a lot of great bonsai artists in California and throughout the United States, most definitely. Oh, totally. Yeah. I'm really impressed with Peter's stuff. I would love to see his garden one day. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, with, uh, with kids, like I just did an episode with Kaya and yeah. my kid ran in like <laughs> midway through the podcast and I just, I decided to keep it in. Just I, go with uh, it. Yeah. Makes yeah. it more real. Yeah. Totally. Part of uh, being a dad, you know, that yeah. kind of thing happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Yeah, for sure. We just had our, our club, sh not our club. It was like, a, it's like a pretty good regional show this weekend, but every year it's, you know, it's Mother's Day weekend and we make a big family thing out of it and go down, stay in a hotel. It's fun. Yeah. With the kids. So. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I saw you showed a couple trees. I showed two trees. Yeah. Yeah. That's, nice. It, I've actually only ever showed at the Michigan show. So I, I'm excited to do the national show or some other shows in the future. Yeah. It's a bit of an, it's a bit of a commitment to take my trees that far away. Absolutely. Um, but I'm, I totally want to participate and get involved a little bit with that. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. Well, your trees are, are incredible. So you, this time around you showed the large forest and then you showed a Thuja. Is that correct? So last year I showed a large forest and this oh, year okay. I showed two Thuja, white cedars. I usually say white cedars. There's one that I called the narwhal that has like a white spike deadwood kind of coming out at an angle. And that's on a slab. And that one, I showed that one and another one planted in a rock this year. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm look, uh, so your, your Instagram is Michigan underscore Yamadori for anyone listening. And right. It is a great resource, fantastic Instagram. Uh, I, I pulled it up right now so I could take a look. I see the narwhal, yeah. beautiful tree, nice work on it, man. It looks really, oh, really good. That one, that one is really fun for me. It kind of started my whole real strong interest in Yamadori. I had a, someone that initially showed me bonds in 2014. He, he would tell me that, you know, out west they can get these amazing deadwood trees, but here in Michigan we we don't get stuff like that. There, there's nothing like that here, and so I started searching and found that, and it's been a real special tree to me ever since. It was, 
the way it was growing and the, the whole, at the time it seemed really big. Now to me, it just seems like a medium tree, but looking back on my notes on it, I think I called it like the massive cedar tree <laughs> and it's just pretty much <laughs> medium size, but yeah. 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 So, well, I, you, you have absolutely collected some, some pretty massive trees since then, or at least I, I see one that yes, uh, I've collected some that were probably too big, but it's a fun challenge. That's awesome. Love it. Yeah. So are you selling bonsai trees these days? Yeah, I always said I wasn't going to sell any, and that changes more and more every year. I just love collecting, and I can't keep them all. So I don't have a business selling trees, but I do sell them to friends or people that reach out to me occasionally just to make room, you know, especially, you know, with kids and a business, I can't do as many trees as I want to do. So yeah, I tend to, I tend to sell a few every year probably yeah. a little more than a few, but not, not like a business, you know? Cool. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I totally understand that. Can't keep them all. But so would you say that your primary focus in collecting is for your personal collection? Yeah, absolutely. It's, that's my only real excitement and drive when I go collecting. I never go collecting thinking, oh, I bet I could go find some to sell. Um, I don't know if I would muster up the energy for that. It's just when I'm driving to go collecting, I'm trying to find a treasure, you know, that I will be able to keep so uh, and work on. I just love Yamadori. So I, uh, I'm yeah. right there with you. I think it seems like we have uh, a lot of things in common and that's definitely one of them, which is going to collect trees for your personal collection. And it's, it's very much like a treasure hunt for me every time that I go up into the mountains and look for trees yeah. Uh, and it's a lot of ways it feels almost for me, it's like almost a, a selfish type feeling. Like I, I want to find a tree for myself. Yeah. It, uh, I don't know. I never thought of it as selfish until I started saying it out loud that I only am trying to get them for myself, <laughs> but I guess it is kind of selfish. Yeah. You know, but you know, we're showing them to other people and I think a lot of people get enjoyment out of them, but yeah, I suppose it is a little selfish. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't think of it in a bad way though. No, not at all. Yeah, I think it's yeah. like, like a good selfish. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I just, uh, personally, I'm not going out there. My main objective is not to try and make a bunch of money or anything like that. It's all about, I love bonsai so much and I'm trying to create an incredible collection that inspires me every time that I walk out into my bonsai garden. Yeah. I, you know, I'm curious, how often do you go collecting? Well, <laughs> uh, so I've been, I started collecting in about like 2009. Okay. And typically I'll go out, well, <laughs> it was, it was quite a bit more. So actually last year was the first year that I did not do any, well, I'm not going to say any collecting. I only, I, I went out a couple times to collect uh, oak which is not the typical tree that I collect. Usually I go out into the Sierra and that's where I collect. Okay. Before I had kids, it was a whole lot more. Sure. And when I do go out, usually I'll go out for like three days at a time. Okay. Um, I'll, I used to tent camp and I would just stay out there and uh, collect for several days and then okay. come back home. Box. Would you up. do that by yourself or would you be with like a friend or? You know, I've collected with, with uh, a couple different uh, friends before. And then every once in a while, I'll drag my wife out 
who she's she's awesome. She's super cool. She she'll go out with me. No, good um, for her. That's fun. I mean, I bet it's fun, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It, but it, for you, at least, what does she think? <laughs> I think. It, Do you think she, she enjoys it? You know, sometimes <laughs> she <laughs> likes hiking around there, but when it comes to like extracting the tree, yeah. usually oh, sure. she'll sit down and read a book or something. So, which it, that actually that sounds awesome. Now I'm thinking about trying to bring my wife. I think I would it would be fun, <laughs> but I'm picturing her 3 hours into me really searching around with her and her being pretty over it at that point and ready to go I guess read a book or something. Usually when I'm doing it, if I do the tent version, I'm going a long ways from the tent, a lot of long walks, yeah, hikes and stuff. Yeah. For sure. And it's usually not easy ground to walk in, I've noticed. So Yeah. 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 But totally. Uh, now, how how far away are your collecting areas? And I'm not going to ask you specific locations at all, um, but generally speaking, like uh, how far would you say they are? As far as driving away, like they're pretty far, yeah. actually. I dr- but they're a variety. Some aren't far at all. But I I live in northern Michigan, and there's there's collecting all over Michigan. So, oh, but I'm willing to drive pretty much anywhere. I've I'm really excited to, to explore outside of Michigan, but there's so much in Michigan that I think it's going to take me another ten years before I'm interested in going to other states. I'm mostly nice. really just interested in my own local species for now. Whenever I bring in a a variety that's kind of not local from here, it stands out to me as like. I don't know, a visitor or something. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I think collecting in Michigan, but I'll, I'm willing to drive and I often drive pretty far. Those are those three day trips, you know, like you talked about for me. If I go up farther, I'll try and make a couple days out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I, I want to ask you a lot about collecting. That's and, my favorite uh, subject. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the the native trees to you and i i agree the i feel like native trees because we we grew up around those and we see those the most they they really speak to us in a way that other types of trees may not you know so i definitely have an attachment to our native trees especially the ones that i've grown up around and seen on my backpacking and camping and hiking trips right. Yeah, there's just something special and magic about those for sure. So yeah, and are they extra strong in your garden compared to other types? Yes, I would say they are. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, yeah which you is a too? big help. Oh, totally. Yeah. The nice. Primarily, I collect larch and white cedar, with and then some other varieties of little things, species and stuff. But those two are so strong for me that it adds it adds to the enjoyment when you see them thrive and rarely have problems. It just makes it more fun friend for me so i i just the the local varieties those two in particular they almost feel bulletproof to me as far as fungus and disease and pests and stuff so that's great that's great yeah do you do much pest and disease management with your with with white cedar um no it's very rarely needed i have a couple times had borers and i in that case i've had to wrap the tree have you ever heard of people like completely wrapping a tree and then getting the some insecticide in there? I had I to do actually, that to save a couple trees and it worked. Yeah. But, yeah. Actually, I, I don't think I've heard of that. <laughs> what do you wrap it with? <laughs> like a big plastic, big plastic trash bag type of thing. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got that technique from Nick Lenz in his book. 
Cool. Um, and I was a little intimidated to try it, you know, with all the, cause it's, you'd sit it overnight. You would spray the insecticide in there and kind of close the bag up and then release it the next day. Ah, interesting. but it, okay. it fixed the problem for me both times. So that's great. Yeah, and then uh, as far as other problems, I, there are problems with white cedar, but I have not experienced it. So that's so great. Yeah. Yeah. I know, uh, one thing Ryan Neal is all about is, is, uh, not using pesticides and insecticides, at least in terms of the chemical types that are really big in Japan. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately I do spray my t- trees on somewhat of a regular basis because I do get certain fungal and, uh, insect type issues, especially spider mites where, where I'm at. Sure. Pretty big problem. Okay. Um, but if you don't have to, I mean, that is fantastic. Or, you know, if you're, well, I do just... have to with fruit trees cause I do some fruit tree collecting. And if I didn't spray those, I think they would just die in a couple months. They're, they're so susceptible to problems. And where I live, I'm surrounded by fruit orchards. I don't know if that's why they're, we have more problems with those here, you know, apples and crab apples and pears. Um, I like to collect those quite a bit, but yeah, I have to spray those for sure. Ah, uh, gotcha. Especially in the spring. Yeah. But, That's so cool. I, I would love to see more of those types of trees collected. And uh, I'm going to be following your Instagram very closely looking for, for those Looking ones. for some nice ones. Yeah. They're harder <laughs> to find, but I'm looking hard. I'm looking hard. <laughs> That's so, so awesome. Yeah. You know, one thing, so when it comes to collecting, <clears throat> I kind of think of conifer collecting and deciduous collecting differently. And I've been thinking about this lately and I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it, but okay. conifer collecting, we collect a tree. Hopefully we find something that's somewhat naturally dwarfed or it has cool deadwood or uh, it has a compact root system and it has a, an established trunk. And then we start working on the foliage after a few years, once it's recovered, right? Right. With deciduous collecting, I've kind of thought about, I, I kind of started to think about it differently. So I almost feel like it's more of like a, a hybrid type collect where it, it's a hybrid of you collect deciduous trees, but then we may want to actually grow them really hard. So maybe even putting them back into the ground or right. into like a big grow box to either one thicken the trunk or to create a new line to uh, like, like new leaders and, and sure. to really get that really or soften thick. out the, yeah. Con- the, like the transition points. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And to grow thick primary branches. Right. And so I think of it almost like it's hybrid between collector and field grower or collector and a grower of bonsai. And yeah. maybe that's what we need to be doing with deciduous stuff as opposed to just collecting them and then just starting to work on the branches. I, I think, think that's it, a good way to think about it. I think if I would have heard that when I first started, it would have saved me some time, you know? Yeah. Really with, with deciduous collecting, I guess really just looking for a, I'm just looking for a trunk primarily. And then, hopefully there's some taper there so I don't have to try to grow out too much of a leader. But sometimes you love the trunk so much that you just 
you know, some of the pears that I collected last year, I collected them and put them right in the ground in my own garden so I could watch them, nice. you know, and I'll see how they, and then I can grow a leader and like you said, primary branches, it is totally different than, than For conifer sure. collecting. Yeah. And it's like totally different environments and maybe it's more um, suburban environments or more, you know, tame when I'm collecting deciduous too, that may be different for you. They just feel so different. I'm going for more wild trees when they're conifers and I don't know, a different type. Maybe it's a cow field or something like that for apple tree. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then I guess one thing when I'm thinking about collecting any types of trees, I'm always thinking about what is either creating this tree to be naturally dwarfed or what is beating this tree up so that it's staying small and refined and becoming old and staying small. You know, like right. we're looking for the old little ones as opposed to the big old ones or the little young ones. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you could figure that out, you can find where to go. Probably you can kind of get a connection with, what is causing it, then you start to think, okay, where would those areas be? I guess the biggest tip for collecting is, is not to go out and just try to find a tree. It's to learn and figure out how to find the right area to go. Completely you know, agree. If Completely you can find agree. a right spot, then everything else is easy. And the good spots feel like a different world, almost like a moonscape. If everything <laughs> around you just feels like uh, wild and just arthritic and stuff. Yeah. Those are the good spots. You probably know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So when I go collect juniper and pine in the Sierra, I'm generally looking for an area that is primarily granite. Like it's mostly okay. rock, right? Yeah. And then on this rock, there are little pockets of, of duff and soil and these the trees are growing in these cracks. So yeah. when I, I say extract them, because I'm really not digging, I'm using like a big metal pry bar to get okay. them out. Sure. And one, one thing I've learned is like you want to use an over uh, – personally, I think you should use like oversized tools. I've bent – like I when I first started collecting, I started with these little bars – and I would just <laughs> try and <laughs> remove these trees and sometimes they would bend. Break and your I, shovel. And, yeah, yeah. Break my shovel. It'd take me like four hours to collect something. Yeah. Now, I, you know, I have really big tools and I can collect things a lot more easily and efficiently. So Sure. <laughs> Especially if you don't have to walk that 10-foot pry bar or whatever it is, you know, too far. For sure. But that can be an issue for me sometimes. I'm going a long ways to carry yeah. a lot of stuff. But I'm so intrigued by going out west to, to collect in the mountains. That just sounds amazing. It is pretty yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, to have hundreds of acres where you could get a permit. Oh, geez, that sounds, that's heaven. <laughs> For me, I, I will get, you know, maybe I'll get 50 acres with permission, um, which is still amazing, but it's different. I yep. guess it's kind of interesting too, though, because I kind of get the sense no one's ever been there to look for trees. And maybe that's the same because America's so big. I'm sure you've been in lots of areas where people haven't collected, but I don't know. A lot of these places, I just feel like definitely no one's collected. I don't even know if anyone's been there, you know, sometimes that's what it feels like at least. 
those are those are also spots that you probably know you're going to find some good trees <laughs> when yeah, it feels like but, no one's been there. Yeah, yeah. We do have areas that are Michigan's it's so diverse that sometimes it's like pure sand that I'll be collecting and sometimes it, it's going to be rock almost like a flat mountain so they're growing in pockets just like you described but but flat. It's like completely rock though. You could basically skateboard on it huh. in some areas. Yeah, there's all sorts. I mean, there's also mountains here too. They don't, from what I found, the mountains are kind of limited success. But yeah, there's all sorts of things. And then bogs or Michigan um, ponds and bogs, sphagnum bogs are are a pretty neat place that a lot of people don't go to, but a lot of good trees and bogs often. Not always, but got it. Okay, so yeah. do the larch grow in bogs is that where you're collecting those larch love bogs but i usually don't find anything except for straight larch in bogs you got to find more extreme environments for larch but uh, cedars tend to be more interesting in bogs for some reason i don't know why you could have a contorted cedar but not a contorted larch isn't that interesting <laughs> but that's Very just how it works yeah the 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 bog is such an interesting place because it i believe it it gets slightly higher over time and the trees all get basically ground layered mm. in the sphagnum. So um, the, it will it will kind of layer the tree and it gives you some interesting forms just because of that. And they're easy to collect because the roots are in the sphagnum on the surface. Under the sphagnum is, is like a dead, watery, mucky mix of nothing. Just besides <laughs> dead roots, you know. So, yeah. so they're already uh. kind of ready for a shallow pot in bogs. Not always, but for the most part. Okay. Very yeah, cool. it's a pretty interesting environment. You can kind of, if you sort of, have you ever been in a bog? I don't know if I have actually. Would you yeah. describe one for me? Well, the one feature about it is it, it definitely looks like a very odd place, but you probably would never go there unless you were some sort of crazy person like we are. <laughs> but <laughs> if you if you sort of bounce on the surface, you'll watch 30 feet in front of you will also move the surface, the ground will move like shake. It almost feels like you're, you're on a floating Island. That's three inches thick. That's a trip. It's a trip. Yeah. And some areas are more than others like that. And then you'll, if you're not careful, you could walk right into a spot where you can go through. So if you go to a bog, go with somebody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, so. so do you do you collect with uh, with somebody usually, or are you usually by myself? Yourself? Usually okay. by myself. My my favorite way to do it is, um, I spend the summer and in, in the springtime, kind of just searching for trees and searching for areas, and then I collect in the fall. Nice. Around here, like September, but okay. often I'll go. I'll go with uh, my father-in-law is, is a friend and he's not really into bonsai, but he's into hiking and doing hard things. So yeah. we've been a good pair to go collecting. Oh, that's awesome. Which is perfect, you know, because we don't have to figure out whose tree it's going to be. <laughs> totally. You know, totally. it's nice to have somebody that's interested and excited and fun, but not really that much into the trees, you know. For sure. Yeah. Very cool. But I've gone with, with other bonsai people too. Recently, I posted a video with Maro and... Uh, that was a trip to go with him. <laughs> He's a funny guy. Can yeah. you can you talk to me about that trip? I, I just think uh Maro's so funny. I see him just pop up and it's like he goes and works with people and then he goes collecting and just looks like they have a, a really, really fun time. Yeah, he is just 
he's got a lot of energy. Good for him. I'm just so impressed with him. He's really good. He gets a lot of he gets a lot of work done quick, <laughs> and he he's also very quick collector. But I went collecting with him last spring, or I brought him actually to one of my places this year and last year. And he is, I guess, the best way to describe it is he's a beast. <laughs> <laughs> he looks you know, like I, that as well. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I think he played professional rugby or something at, at one point. But you could, you you know, once he straps a tree to his back, that's when the grunting starts. And if it doesn't matter what's in his way, he'll just plow through the branches and break branches. And But he's funny, too. He's just a fun guy to be with. But, you know, I got a loud out of it the first time I went to him. He, you know, I would just be bent over looking at basically whatever we would pass. Not whatever, but, you know, you see like a little bush and you check it. And if it was kind of small, he, he would just say, what are you wasting your time on? Hurry up. Let's go. Don't look at that. Let's go. He's just looking for bigger stuff. And you can kind of see why, you know, when it's a big enough, there's just more that there's more freedom to do things with it. If it's so small, there's not, there's just not a lot that you can do with a small tree. You don't besides grow it out. So, I mean, sure. Shohin and stuff, but I don't know. Shohin Yamadori, that's hard to find. So it has been for me at least. Are you a big tree guy? Would you say? I think so, but because I am. To, to, yeah, I think I am too. But uh, and then you look around and you can't pick them up, and so I think I might be like, I like it if I can pick them up. Kind of, they're almost too big to pick up. That's probably my favorite size. Nice. I yeah. completely agree with you. Um, At some point, I won't be able to pick them up. I'm sure, but hopefully, that's a ways off. A- absolutely. <clears throat> cool. So he uh did he he collect some big trees when you guys were together? Yeah. We collected some big ones. Yeah, and he puts them right on his back and he, what's funny is the where we were going, we we're so far from our truck and it was there were three of us and we find these trees together and a couple of them are really big. I think he found a big one and I found a big one and you know, there's always a hesitation when you're that far away from the truck and there's a big tree, you know, you're gonna have to carry it out. I knew I was going to, but he has an absolutely no hesitation. We, you know, the other, <laughs> the other guy's like, well, how are we going to get this back? And he said, we'll worry about that when we get it out. You know, <laughs> he just, collect, yeah. he just collects it and then starts going. So I think we might've been a couple miles from our truck in the bog, which the bog is hard enough to walk in without something that you can hardly carry, you know? <laughs> so totally, it, it was I like that though. The challenge of, it seems like the best trees I had, I've collected have all been really difficult to get to my truck. That's funny you say that. Cause I completely agree with you there. It's been the same exact way for me. Has and, it? Oh, interesting. Yes. And, yeah. uh, I feel like one of my favorite trees was also the hardest physical workout of my entire life just getting it back to the truck you know <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's i think i might have said that same exact sentence before yeah my favorite tree is probably the hardest workout of my life i actually i loved the i love the tree i almost gave up which i would never do i would felt horrible i actually i thought about leaving it and coming back the next day you know yeah <clears throat> but i couldn't do it and i even had a helper with me so it was yeah, I know the feeling for sure. Just sweating <laughs> and panting so much. Like I, I'd work out every day. So I'm in decent shape, but I've never worked out like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I see you doing pull-ups too. So I know you're in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah, I can, I can tell you are in good shape. And there's a video of you picking up like a, a really massive tree on your Instagram. 
which yeah. is a, a killer tree. I'm not sure if you know the one that I'm talking about. Um, it's that's the tree I'm talking about collecting. Oh man, that, that I love that tree. It, it'll look it'll look better and as it gets more refined. But that one was growing in such a steep hill, and it was at the bottom of the hill. And the at the top of the hill was where the truck was, and the bottom of the hill was the lake. So we had to go up. Yeah, <laughs> but it was like sliding down, trying not to lose our footing, like type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I know what you're talking about the hesitation, though. Yeah, like, I I wish that I didn't have the hesitation, but if I collect a big old tree. I, I like have to talk myself into, okay, we're getting it back into the truck. And I know that yeah. there's no, like, like I am going to get that tree back into the truck. There's no, it's not going to happen, but I still yeah. have to, it, like, I, I definitely wait a sec. I stand around the tree for a sec. I drink some water. Definitely. I take Same. my time. I kind of say some things to myself in my head. Kind of pump like, yourself up, turn on some uh, music, do some jumping jacks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. No, it's funny. I feel like we are so similar in a lot of ways, but yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly. But it, you know, that tree is uh, maybe that, I don't know. What do you think about this? Do you think that adds to how much you like the tree now is how much work it took to get it? <sighs> I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Definitely. For me, and I, I think, think it does too. Yeah. And I think that when I buy a tree, because I, I've bought a few trees, I'm not sure if you've only collected your own, but when I buy something, I think that I just have a, an extra little connection with the trees that I've collected. Yeah. Uh, oh, hundred percent. Yes. I yeah. keep buying them and then I sell them because I'm, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't get as excited as the ones that I've collected just because you have a little story with each one, you know? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then if it is really that hard to get back to the truck, yeah. you just, you just, uh, you, I, I kind of have a, uh, something I think about, which is basically like, you have to pay for your trees. If you want really nice trees, you have to pay for them in one way, right? Yeah. Oh, Either yeah, you pay point. for them yeah. with money or you pay for them with hard work and, right. uh, sweat, maybe some blood getting yeah, lost. Probably some blood, <laughs> maybe some, yeah. Yeah. Maybe your back is a little messed up the next day even. <laughs> totally. You know? totally. Yeah. This last, uh, I put it on my Instagram, a little quick reel of the collection day with Mara. Um, that was almost as hard, even though the tree's not as big because it, when you're collecting in a, a bog, there's all these lower dead branches and small streams to cross, small ponds to not fall into. And you're wearing those, you know, tall muck boots. And sometimes you're almost down to your knees every once in a while. But the tree was so heavy, I would have a hard time just walking it a couple hundred feet on flat ground. So it was definitely a challenge. Yeah. But once again, now I love that tree. Maybe I wouldn't yeah. love it as much if it was right next to my truck when I collected it. Ah, but What's, yeah. It's a killer tree. I'm looking at it right now. You have a, a video that says bonsai power lifting and you're lifting, lifting yeah. the tree. It's <laughs> oh yeah. Very, very nice. It, it's my favorite white cedar that I've seen. So nice work. Oh yeah. See, that means you like big trees. I think <laughs> the tree, I swear the tree looks even bigger in person. Of course, Mara likes big trees and he always, when he comes to my garden, walks straight to that tree and asks if he can buy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, that was too hard to collect. I don't think I can sell that. Yeah. I mean, people that look at prices of Yamadori and think they're expensive. I never think Yamadori is expensive really anymore. I can just, I know what goes into it. There's a lot that goes into it. I think you For have sure. to be obsessive to to go out and do it. I don't know, but 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Is that your favorite tree, would you say, in your collection? I've heard other people say this, but my favorite tree is always changing. Um, I wouldn't say that's my favorite tree, but I bet you it will be after I refine it some more. I really don't like the pot that I have it in. <laughs> Little things like that just kind of irk me. And I, so I don't know if I could say right now it's my favorite tree, but definitely amongst my top five. Solid. Solid. Yeah. It's, it's like the pot is, you know, I just need to work it a bit, but I, I love that tree. Yeah. The interesting thing about that is I've never seen it. It's almost like three separate trees. The live veins are so distinct that they feel like they're going to come off of the deadwood. Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, they're thick and they're separating from the deadwood quite a bit. It's pretty interesting. It's, it's three solid live veins that are very, very obvious. If you ever yeah. see it in person, I'll show you what I mean. But Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope to see it at uh, one of the big shows one of these days. Yeah, so. I will have a goal to get it there for sure. Maybe the national show. I'm going to need a big truck, though, to get it there. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you know, and uh, you said you saw me doing pull-ups. Uh, so... There was probably when I started collecting, I was like probably 30, close to 30 pounds heavier, maybe not 30, but like 25 pounds okay. heavier, I'd say. Yeah. And some of my motivation, not all of it. I mean, I definitely, I think it's, it's pretty corny, but I, I tend to follow the quote health is wealth. Right. Yeah. No, I'm saying that's not corny. <laughs> and, uh, I believe in that health might be better than wealth. I think so. Or more important. Yeah. 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 Health is wealth. But uh, some of the motivation was, hey, I want to be able to go collect. And I want to be confident when I go out into the mountains that can walk a a ton of miles. I can carry heavy things. I can, uh, you know, be self-sufficient and self-reliant and be confident in my abilities out there. And so a lot of that was just like, hey, like I need to get in shape. And uh, I think that's kind of cool. Like I, I, I feel like collecting is almost like part sport, you know, it's yeah. definitely, it's like yeah, treasure hunting and sport. Yeah, it is. Who doesn't want to go treasure hunting and then mix in some, some sport. <laughs> I mean, treasure <laughs> hunting for me, it is really like treasure hunting. And I've always dreamed of that as a kid, like, you know, going to find gold. Somebody told me once, you know, there's gold out there and it's yours. You just need to go find it. And it's kind of the same thing with trees. I know there's good trees. And every year I tell myself, I'm going to try to find the best tree I've ever collected this year. And I usually, well, I guess I don't do that every year, but I definitely try. And I don't even know if they're in Michigan. I mean, sure, they're probably, I'm sure they're out there. You know what? I just don't know where they are. And so I'll try to find them. But yeah, I have you always had such good form on your pull-ups? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, I said a, uh pull-up goal because I feel like pull-ups are just a good sense of overall health, you know, Yeah. because uh, if you lose weight, it's way easier to do pull-ups. Uh, if you get stronger, it's it's way easier to do pull-ups. So I just felt like it was a good test of both and I could not do pull-ups when I first started doing them. So I was just like, yeah. I'm going to do pull-ups. <laughs> I think I saw you post that you were going to try to get to 20 and I was thinking, oh, I can do 20. That's fine. But then I saw how strict your pull-ups were. And then I was like, oh, maybe I can't, <laughs> you know, cause they were, you were doing the full, full range, which is good. I think I was cheating them a little bit, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks <laughs> man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, 
would you talk to me a little bit about so permission and uh i'm just curious like i definitely don't want to get way down into the rabbit hole of like the ethics of collecting or anything like that yeah uh but i think it is always important to get permission from the landowner or wherever you're going to be collecting and to respect the land i'm really big into those types of things Um, can you talk to me about getting permission a little bit uh i saw a post so i i think i know a little bit of uh about how you go about the process and you don't have to get super deep but Anything you no, want to I, say? No, I will. I will give all my tips on this because there's no reason not to get permission. I don't know what it's like when you can do permits. That sounds easier, but it also might not be. I don't know what the process is like. But we don't in Michigan, and I assume places like Ohio and in other states, um, there, there is no public collecting. A lot of people say there is, but there isn't. And so it's all public land. But a lot of the interesting land here is, or it's all private land. Sorry, a lot of the interesting land here is private. So I have an app on my phone called the Onyx Hunting app. There's other apps like it, but that's the one that I use. And it shows the it shows the area that, you know by GPS with the overhead. And then you can zoom in right on property lines and you can figure out who owns what property. So what I do usually is I scope out the land, figure out what looks interesting, and then I get their contact info and contact them. But usually just by email. You know, it doesn't have to be an awkward thing, really. I, I'll send them an email and I always offer them money for the trees because otherwise I, I want to give them a reason to say yes, you know? Yeah. Um, anywhere from $50 to $200 per tree, depending on the situation. So it's because I'm trying to find trees just for myself. I'm not doing it to make money anyways. I'm just trying to find those treasures, you know? And if they get back to me, they almost always say, sure. And you don't have to pay. We don't mind. Because I'll sometimes I'll send them a picture with what I'm looking for, you know? Yeah. A lot of landowners don't mind if you're collecting something that's half deadwood and three or four feet tall. Yeah. So that's so cool. I think that's really smart. I think offering people money is, is really smart. I've, <laughs> I've posted on Craigslist before asking uh, and offering money for certain things. There was a time where I was looking for uh, abandoned almond orchard trees. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. And Did I you was get offering any luck? money. Uh, you know, uh, not really. Um, yeah. I, I probably could have. I this is just like I tried it one time. I, I one of the keys to getting permission or collecting or being su- successful in, in lots of things is do it again. If if it doesn't work, like keep trying. You know. Oh, um, of course, yeah, yeah. But, Another way that I've done it is I'll take my paddleboard and I'll go around the lake because most collecting around here is. Not always, but a lot of times it tends to be near water. So anyway, and then you can tell what, you know, by peeking in as you paddle by where it might be interesting and you can use your phone to figure out where you were, figure out who the property owner was, it's figuring out their phone number or their email. And it, it works more than you would think. That's At so first cool. I was so intimidated to, to try to get permission, but I would do it. And, and now it just seems like easy, <laughs> you know, and it's just something you get used to, I guess. I've had so many people that respond well. In fact, I've got a couple really good relationships with a couple people. One person that I can often, I go camping there and another person that, you know, I'm buying stuff from them now, like other stuff and we're friends. And so, yeah, it's, it, you just keep it open. It's just much better. That's right. And you want, you want permission and no, I, it's really important to respect the land to me too. Even if you just go collect one tree, make it look like you never you never touched the area. 
hundred percent. I've even come back and, and, um, I've talked to some landowners cause I, actually I forgot to say this, but I'll say that I'll give them money, but also replace the tree with a s- smaller, younger version of it. And sometimes they say, you don't need to bother, but sometimes I'll just do it. You know, just put one there. It depends on the layout. If it's a steep slope, I like to replace it. So I love to that. hold the roots there. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. 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 I grew up, uh, scouting. I was really into boy scouts and they always taught us leave no trace. So hundred percent with you yeah, there, backfill totally. your hill holes, make sure you don't leave any trash, uh, pick up trash, respect the land hundred percent. I'll try to improve it a little bit instead of making it, you know, worse by any means. If I you love can. It. Yeah, most definitely. Would you tell me a little bit about the hunting app more? Like what does that look like? The hunting app? Well, it's called yeah. on X. Um, it's a cool app. It's right on your phone. It's, there's so many things you can use it for. It shows you all the trails, public trails, private trails, the distance of the trails, the distance from your, from a location. I also can use it to pin locations. I use it a ton for my hunt, for my hunting of trees, you know? Yeah. Um, you, and it has it, a good aerial view. Sweet. Similar to Google maps. Yeah. Does it have like a GPS function as well? Or do you yeah, use GPS. GPS? Yep. Yep. Okay. So you, I don't use, I do use GPS a little bit. Yeah. But I, I tend to use the map. Um, and it's pretty neat. You can download because some areas we go, you, there is no cell service, right? Before you leave on Wi Fi, you can download that like map of that area. So if you get lost in the land, I use this because I've definitely gotten lost before this. I don't know if you've ever gotten lost, but um, it can be a little freaky. But, um, Anyway, it's really neat because you can use that without any Wi-Fi to figure out where you are and how to get back to your truck. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, and I, I've used that quite a bit. First time yeah. I ever got lost, I was so surprised. I always felt like I had a good sense of direction, and I realized I was walking the wrong way for a mile or two, and it just was so surprising to me. But Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. 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 yeah, you figured it out. Yeah, I've definitely gotten a little lost, never like lost for – a long period of time. Luckily, where I generally go collecting, there's very high things that I can look at. So usually, oh, vantage I'll, point, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll find the highest vantage point and I'll I'll use that, and uh, that will help guide me. So that's usually the the best way that I'm able to not get lost out there. But yeah, yeah, and yours, you do permit collecting, right? Or yes, a different yes. private, okay. Yeah. yeah, most mostly permitting and some some private as well. So I've definitely sure. talked to a lot of people, and all I can say about the permitting process is, uh, yeah, you have to be very very nice to people, <laughs> yeah. and uh, hopefully could show you know explain what you're doing, get them to hear you out, and uh, hopefully they will you know give you a permit and. Uh, and so it's not a for sure thing every time, huh? That is correct. It is okay. not a for sure thing. <laughs> okay. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Interesting. I need to do that one day. I, I'd loved, <clears throat> and I'm not going to go to collect to bring stuff back, but I just want to hike in the mountains in Colorado yeah. and <clears throat> other areas. I haven't done it much. So. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So would you, would you walk me through an, a collect of a white, white cedar larch? Uh, what does that sure. look like? What do you bring? What's the extraction yeah. process? So the like? areas are where I'm going is definitely dependent on what I would bring. 
if I'm going to go to a rocky spot, I'm going to bring a crowbar like you talked about and a shovel and always a folding saw. I don't know if you use a folding saw, but I try to bring two folding saws. It's nice to have a sharp one. I, when I'm collecting in a place like a bog or a sandy area, you almost don't need a shovel at all. And in fact, in a bog, I don't bring a shovel. I could even for really big trees, like when we were with Mara, all we had were saws and packing material. Um, and I, you, I have gone with the backpack or one of those framed packs. I know people like those, but they're not my favorite because if I'm by myself, I can't figure out how to put the pack on with a tree on, on it. You know, like you, you have to have it on the ground and then stand up with it. But anyway, yeah, folding saws is, is really the most important. And then I wrap the root ball as tightly as I can with usually plastic or plastic bag or wrapping plastic and then i'll take electrical tape and wrap it nice and tight in there try to not have any air pockets or air spots where air could get in and it keeps it safe on that hike back and then in the truck and stuff so that, nice. that's kind of that's what the is... tools and then the pro i mean digging it itself is not usually that big a part of the of the collection I think people think about it and they think, oh, yeah, but digging that hard was, or digging that tree was difficult. But usually it's not the digging. I don't know about in your experience. <clears throat> Sometimes the digging is difficult, especially when it's in rock. But for me, a lot of times I could dig the tree out in, in five minutes. Wow. Um, and it's about getting it, you know, figuring out where it is and going and collecting it and then carrying it back. That's the hard part. So, so. even like, like say that, that big one that you collected, the big white cedar. Yeah. Where, how long did the actual digging part take for that tree? Okay. The, yeah. It is different when the trees are really big. They definitely <laughs> take longer when they're big. Um, probably took me an hour and a half on that if I'm remembering right, but there was a much more involved than that part of it. So <clears throat> I've got a little technique I can tell you about which I use on that tree. If you want me to on collecting, please. So this works really well for me for the type of trees that I collect. If I ever have a tree that I really like, but I'm nervous about its survival, I'll dig away at the base of the tree carefully and pack it with sphagnum moss. And then I'll wrap it a little bit with plastic around the trunk to kind of hold it there. And I'll pack it with quite a bit of sphagnum moss. If it's in a spot where I can water it and fertilize it even, I, I will come back to it. But I'll leave that sphagnum moss ideally for almost a year. It depends. Sometimes half a year, if I can go check it again. Anyway, usually when I'm digging at the base and packing it, you're seeing a little bit of fine roots. And then when you come back, the, the stuff right by the base, that sphagnum will just be full of roots. Every time I've tried it, it's, it's worked so well. And that's what I did on that, that big cedar. It almost worked too well. The tree was like so vigorous and growing so much by the time I collected it. And it never skipped a beat. And now the foliage on it is so much coarser than all my other cedars just still it just got so strong because i was also fertilizing that one to make sure it'd be okay huh, but, interesting that's yeah that's it's really like cool. a year a, almost a year of prep in the ground okay. on that one yeah and it, it was i just didn't want to lose it you know i did, it, it looked like it was such a big trunk to try to saw that off at the base so anyways awesome so what percentage of the root, like the, you know, 360 of the root ball, would you say that you packed sphagnum moss around? 
was it like 25% of the the 360? I went around the whole circumference, circumference of the tree. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Got it, got yeah. it. Yeah, wow. and you're careful not to rip roots when you're inspecting around it. If Does that make sense? You know, because if you... Yeah, if you're yeah, really yeah. digging away, you could be killing what you're needing to to proliferate there. Totally. So okay. yeah, I just carefully dig away. You can see some spindly roots and not much, and and then I just pack it with all the way around the circumference. That tree was so big it took like quite a bit of sphagnum. Yeah. So and then I've done that. You don't have to do it in the whole circumference though. If you can find some small roots around the base of anything, you know, on a more sensitive tree, you might only do half or something. But this one had. I could tell it had a lot of roots down deeper. So I knew that if I went around the whole circumference, I wasn't going to be killing the tree. But sometimes you don't know that. I mean, sometimes it look, you know, it looks like you, you could kill it. Like if you have a loose tree, a tree that wiggles a lot when you go up to collect it, you know, when you grab the tree, if it's wiggling, to me, that's usually a bad sign because it doesn't have very many roots. Totally. Um, so anyway, you be, better be careful how you pack that one, but. If it's tight, you can usually pack it around the whole circumference of the tree. And it really, really, really works. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I've yeah. never thought to do that. Uh, and I think that seems like a pretty cool technique. I wonder, <clears throat> I guess, so some of the purpose of packing the sphagnum moss around the root ball is just because that sphagnum probably holds more moisture than the, the natural occurring soil. So yeah. the, the roots really want to grow in there. <clears throat> right. It's just, it's the perfect stuff to grow roots, especially for these types of trees. And, you know, I always water it really well when I, when I leave that day. And then I usually put, you know, duff and whatnot on top of the sphagnum, kind of hold that moisture in. And I swear just with rain that always stays just slightly moist. It's perfect for growing roots. Now the rest of the, you know, the rest of the soil is just not very good. These are stunted trees that are, sort of tortured so it's got that um and often i'll i'll do granular fertilizer with it or whatever too when i do that and nice. it's got that sphagnum and it's fertilization and um it they just it just fill that sphagnum so much that it's hard to get you almost have to keep all the sphagnum when you pot it because those are your living roots for the pot totally so you totally. be careful where you put the sphagnum because if it's too high then it's going to be hard to change that potting that you need you know potting angle yeah. and height but Nice. Yeah. Love it's it. It's a good technique. <laughs> Very nice. I have uh, definitely gone and fertilized trees and then came back, you know, years later. And I do think that it does help with their growth a bit. Just use yeah. like an Osmocote, for example, just put yep. a little bit on there. A similar thing. Yep, um, I've done but that. I've never done the sphagnum thing. So nice work on that. That's great. It, it It's, I love it. Yeah. It makes me feel more confident about trees that are sensitive especially and those are usually the good ones so totally yeah cool but um would you talk to me a little bit about your aftercare process sure yeah aftercare in collection both are i learned a lot of it just from mistakes unfortunately it's trial and error you you read all the books but you you have to try a lot of these things yourself because everybody's location is different and but my aftercare, I, I usually will collect the tree all packed up tightly in the plastic. And then I will set it in water overnight, which is nice because you're tired usually when you get it back to your house. Um, so I set that and submerge the whole root ball in water overnight. And then um, I think that's important. It's kind of 
potting more than aftercare, but I think that's important. But when you get it boxed up, which is usually in a wooden box, I keep it on the ground. And since nice. I collect most of my stuff in the fall, um, I have this de-icing cable that is real simple stuff. Anyway, you just plug that in and I kind of snake it on my, um, the gravel that I have in my garden and the, um, and I put the trees on top of that. So in September, the air starts to get a bit cooler here, but their roots are staying warmer, but not too warm. And I, I think that helps quite a bit too, for me. Nice. It, nice. It's nothing too complicated. I don't have like a dedicated bed for it with sand and everything like I could have. It's just the icing cable on the ground. And it, I like, I think that really does help. But yeah, I put the trees right on the ground and I, I focus on trying not to overwater them. Uh, and I water the foliage often, but I don't water the roots that often. I don't make sure they don't dry out, but uh, I definitely killed more collected trees by watering them too much than not enough. Gotcha. And the other mistake I made was using the wrong type of soil. So now I use sifted pumice. And that really helps. Is that what you use for collecting trees or? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I also put my trees on the ground. I really like sifted pumice. I use a, a pretty coarse sifted pumice just so there's a lot of oxygen okay. that can get to yep. those roots. I think it's so important to sift it. That that was a mistake that I made early on, just not sifting out my pumice. So Same, uh, same. Yeah. I killed a couple nice trees and I feel bad about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's what the problem was. There just was too much water that was staying in there. So let me ask, I've had having a discussion lately. So how much of the native soil do you leave on your collected trees? So I leave, well, when I first put them into the pumice, so I, I, a recently collected tree, I leave a lot of native soil. So like I, I really try and get as many roots as possible for the most part. And then if there is like a, a whole lot of native soil, I might knock a little bit off. Generally speaking, I like yeah. to have the roots sticking out just a, just a hair, maybe like a half inch or so from that uh, okay. native soil. But for the most part, I, uh, I, I leave quite a bit of the native soil, but, and that's, that's on junipers. I don't know. I, you know, I, I do think that you should definitely leave a portion of native soil because of the mycorrhizal relationships and uh, all that, do you uh, do you remove much soil? I do. Um, the way the way a lot of these grow, oftentimes they're growing in their own dead roots a little bit, and so I, I remove a lot of the sand, but the interior of the root ball I keep kind of with a native soil. But I always use a hose on the outside. Nice. I don't know if you use a hose. I use a hose on the outside of the ball and on the bottom, but never on the top. A lot of the living roots for the type of trees I collect are on the top, especially at the base of the trunk. I've, especially with larch, I unfortunately killed quite a few inspecting the trunk, you know, because a lot of those sensitive roots, the ones that are really important are right at the trunk in the moss. That, and that's the moss that you would need to move to see what the base of the trunk actually looks like. But I never touch that now and it... Uh, I, I don't know how many, I collected quite a few larch and cedars last fall and I didn't lose even one. So I'm pretty happy about that. Cool. So, Very cool. Yeah. Nice. And then, so you said you collect in the fall primarily, is that correct? That's right. Yeah. 
And then have you ever tried to collect in the spring or like? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I collect in a decent amount in the spring, Okay. but I, I mostly just a factor of my life that I do it in the fall than anything. And I realized that I've got great success in the fall. I actually have, if I check my numbers, I have more success with my fall collects, which it's, it's more like late summer than fall. Like, you know, here it would be, um, early September. That's my perfect time. Um, yeah, spring, spring. I'm not sure why, but my success hasn't been as good in the spring. It's still probably up there like 75%, but it's, it's rare now that I could lose a tree that I collect in September. So yeah, I keep it at that. Well, go with what works. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Different types of environments, different trees, different, you know, aftercare probably would be different for everybody. I've also collected some in the middle of the summer and it's been fine too. It depends, you know, how about you? What time of the year is best for you? Well, typically for Sierra junipers, a lot of the spots that I go to, you can't even get there just because there's snow still on the roads or the roads are closed. Oh, sure. And so I'd say like June would be the earliest that you could start collecting. Okay. Uh, so sometimes I'll collect in June. Uh, otherwise, I'll, I'll wait till fall. And then it's like September, October, generally speaking, are, are the most uh, the months that I collect the most. Okay, so, cool. Oh, same as me then. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Mostly just try and avoid the summertime because it's too hot. Um, And and there's not as much rain here in California. Right. It's same here. So there's a lot of snow melt in June. So June's not a bad time um, because the trees are getting a lot of water from that snow melt. Okay. And uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. This will be your, hopefully you can get out there this year. Yep. I I definitely have (laughs) a trip (laughs) planned actually bought a, a Ram ProMaster earlier uh, earlier this year. So uh, I'm really excited oh, nice. to take, You're it, ready take with... it camping and load it up yeah. with a few trees. <laughs> you need a capper on the back and yeah, that's going to be great. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Fun. That's the best. I'm excited. I've got some trips planned too, but my busy business, I'm trying to get some stuff. In a couple of weeks, I'll be able to do my first trip scouting trip so yeah sweet yeah, sweet. yeah. very cool oh, yeah yeah it's all about putting in those miles i feel like uh the best collectors i uh, uh put in a lot of miles i think that's really important you know yeah totally people that are willing to go a little farther maybe and i can't explain why i really want to but i'm just it doesn't feel like work at all just it's something i'm just obsessed with doing driven to just go for it and trying to get better trees than last year, you know? Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, um, uh, so if you have to, if you need to take off or anything like that, please let me know. We've, <laughs> we've already been at an hour and 14. I've been, I've really enjoyed <laughs> talking to you so far. Was hoping to talk to you a little bit about garden design, but if you, if you, no, I, to... I mean, sure we can, I don't want you to, uh, your podcast to go longer than you want it to, but I, I have time if you want to talk. Perfect. It's fun to talk about bonsai. I don't get to that every day, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the reason I really enjoy doing this podcast. Get yeah, to no. talk about bonsai, talk to interesting people. So for sure, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, I'm I'm very impressed with your bonsai garden. Thank I you. Love the horizontal fencing. 
You have well-crafted bonsai stands. You got some individual pedestals, it looks like, some benches. Yes. I love the, the boulders that you have, the landscape, landscaping plants, the crushed, crushed rocks. Looks like it's located in a, a really pretty area with some natural like forest trees in the background. Is that correct? Yeah, um, that's my yard, so it's it's decently nice. That I, it is pretty nice. There's there's certain angles that I don't show the camera that I could try and improve. You know what I mean? But no, it's it's uh, it's pretty nice spot. There's a lot of right now. It's especially nice because all the local trees are flowering and stuff. And yeah, yeah, I love it. It's thank you for the compliments, which it comes appreciated because I love your garden as well. Thank you so much. <laughs> your new garden. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah, I love the darker color on your fence. Oh, thank you. Thank I think you. that really I... makes the trees pop. Is that a black color or what is that? It is. Yes, it's black. And uh, so like half of my fence is, is just natural. I just used a, a clear oil-based stain. Okay. And then I used a, a semi-transparent black stain. And yeah, I just, love it. Yeah. I was going to ask you what that was because I might try that for a portion of mine just for different photos and different yeah. backdrop. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like a little variety. I love your, uh, the, the rusty Corten type steel that you have in the background. I yeah. Really like I want to bring more of that. I love the Corten. <laughs> That's actually not Corten, <clears throat> but I want to get some court, some more Corten yeah. um, involved in the garden for sure. Yeah, and I say Corten because that's what I think of when I think of rusty metal. But really, like any steel will do that very quickly, yeah. right? It totally, yeah. This is just a big, heavy piece of steel, and it it was silver at first, and then about three days later, it was rusty. So nice, yeah, nice. and it's thick. But I'm gonna get some. I would like to get some. Maybe incorporate that in the benching, or do some more backdrops with it. I love the the steel. Yeah, yeah. Did you treat it with anything to make it no. rusty? Nope. It just okay. gets like that on its own. Yeah. Oh. I think garden design, a lot of it is just <clears throat> picking a few materials that you like and not, not bringing in too much variety. So rock, wood, and maybe some steel. And then you could also throw in the same with, if you're going to have plantings in there besides your trees, just pick a couple. Just otherwise it could look busy. I have I like other that. plants and I've taken a lot of plants out yeah. just because it distracts from the trees. The other thing I like to, I'd like to bring more into is some um, stuff that I see in, in these collected areas, some like big old fallen tree roots and old snarly things that I could, <clears throat> that were big. If I could find big enough ones that I could somehow bring to my garden, I would love that. I love that. That sounds yeah. rad. Yeah. Yeah but hard to find, but one yeah. day I'll get them. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So yeah. just backing up just a little bit, did you build your garden like by yourself? Yeah, I built it by myself. I had help with some of my employees in my landscape business who my, my sprinkler crew and I did it actually. Mostly I needed help on the fence because I'm not yeah. very, I'm not a very good carpenter, but we got it together, figured out. Yeah, but no, I, and then as far as the big rocks, I have a couple friends in the business and those big rocks, I had those um, put there for me. So yeah, actually, no, I bought, I borrowed a tractor, but I, they were dropped for me. And then I borrowed a tractor and we moved them <laughs> and the rocks all came from a um, family farm actually. 
Very cool. Yeah. So there were rocks that were pushed out of orchards and like on the side of the woods. And I just asked the family. And I, so I was able to get those at no charge, which was nice because rocks are not cheap, actually. Yeah. yeah they yeah. they are not. So. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. And yeah. why? So uh, that is that is absolutely incredible incredible and asking you this as someone that's put a lot of time and effort into building a, or starting to build a bonsai garden but why why put all this time and effort and energy into building a bonsai garden like why do you, why do you want a bonsai garden so bad <laughs> <laughs> it's funny right i i don't know actually <laughs> i can't help it i just love it i i i don't know why and i still don't even know really why i do bonsai but i love it i love and to me the garden i'm doing this because i love it so the garden is where i keep the trees and it, it just really adds to the enjoyment when i'm out there and it it looks like an area that i really appreciate the trees in it just makes the whole thing more enjoyable so i think that's the reason awesome i i think people would appreciate their trees more if they worked in their garden a bit more very nice yeah, yeah. i i agree yeah, I think for me, it's like uh, I get to go out into my bonsai garden and just lose myself in that space for a while and forget about everything else. And when it's a confined space with all my trees in there, it just really makes me happy and feel good. And uh, it's like a bonsai show every single day. You know, you go out to water yeah. and, and you get a bonsai yeah, show. Totally. That's exactly, that's well said. There's nothing like getting that coffee in the morning going out there and that morning sun's coming in and you're watering your trees. I just love it. I have a nice hammock out there too. So if I get a minute, I'll just be out in the hammock. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I love watering, even just watering the trees. I actually look forward to it still. I'll tell my wife, I, I get to water today. <laughs> She's like, I think she thinks I'm nuts, which I am nuts. So <laughs> <laughs> totally but, yeah. good nut. Good nuts. Yeah. Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Any uh, future plans for your bonsai garden? Yeah, I think garden. I do have some plans. Nothing too big, but a garden is always a work in progress. Just like a tree, I guess. You know, you're always changing things about the tree or moving it in direction. Same with the garden. Right now, I I think that I would like to soften the amount of wood that I see everywhere. So I've been doing things like planting some vines that are nice and I'm going to do some more backdrops. Sweet. Um, I would love to find, this is inspired by a Landon gardens. Have you, have you seen his stuff, Dan Robinson? Yeah. I have not uh, been there. I would love to go. I've there, not been there either. I've just, just you know, videos. I go over his book. I love his idea of just bringing in some of these crazy like dead wood snarls and things or big old dead trunks and putting them right in the middle of his garden. Um, so some, if I can find something that really excites me, I, you know, I could see that adding, adding that to some stuff like that. Very I love cool. his garden. Yeah. yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. But cool. Yeah. How about you? I'm sure you have some ideas, but yours are pretty new too. Yeah. Pretty new. And I think like you, it's just going to kind of be an ever evolving thing that I'm working on. I hope that it just becomes a little bit better, just like my bonsai collection over the next several years. Yeah. I think one of the big things that I want to put into my bonsai garden is actually a koi pond. Okay. However, oh, that'd be nice. I really want to do it right. 
and I want to put put a lot of time and and probably money <laughs> into yeah. it. So yeah. that's probably we'll research that's, how to do it. And, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's. I think Mr. Kobayashi in Japan, he has a koi, koi pond. Have you seen okay. his garden before? Only in pictures, yeah, in videos. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's amazing looking. Yeah. yeah. Have you been I, there in person? I have not. I haven't been yeah. there, but I've seen a lot of videos and that's very inspiring to me. I mean, mine's going to be on a, a much smaller scale, but I still just want it to be. You extreme. should go bigger. Make it bigger than his. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but yeah. Uh, his, yeah his garden is massive. so impressive. Yeah. yeah. So massive. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so koi pond for me. That's that's one of the big parts. Other oh, than I love that, that. Yeah. You know, uh, I probably need to get rid of a few landscaping plants and add more of the ones I really like. Like you yeah. just like you said, I kind of threw in a few too many things. Yeah, um, I did the same and then I yeah. started to remove. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the ferns that I put in there started to just go crazy. So almost every other month I'm taking more ferns out. So Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Do you have any other bonsai goals? I know you touched on trying to collect better trees, maybe showing in the national show or yeah, other big Yeah, that shows. is a goal. I'd like to show in the national show. And then my my goals are definitely not really that set in stone or anything. I, but I do, I, every year I try to create trees that I personally think are better than what I've created so far. And then trying to collect better trees than I ever have. I don't reach those goals every year, but it makes it something to strive for. That's great. Yeah. yeah. That's great. It's just fun to, I think for me, at least it's just the way my brain works. It's fun for me to just try to have um, some growth to work towards kind of work towards something. I think some people might be thrown off by having goals for bonsai, but you know, it should just be for enjoyment, but that is what I enjoy. I just like, I like the goal part and trying to do as good as I can with it. If I'm going to do it, I might as well just do it all the way, you know? Totally. Totally. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, just had maybe a few more for you, if that's okay. Just kind of sure. like random follow-up questions that I was okay. curious about. Sure. <laughs> One is I, I noticed you, you've done a, a few slab rock plantings and i was just curious where you got your rock and what kind of rock you grow those on yeah those came from a local landscape supply they're just i think they're called well they're just like a standard flagstones anyway then you can, you can get a bigger one and then i sort of carve away at the edge with a chisel to make it look natural and i usually will screw some uh, what do I use there? Some like plastic deck boarding to the bottom, thin stuff so that it doesn't rest on the bottom of, so that the, the rock itself doesn't rest if you set it on the bench. It's almost elevated just a little bit. You can see a shadow under it. Anyway, that's what I use. Very nice. It, it works pretty great. good. Yeah, yeah, they look great, man. They're, nice work. I started with that because they are free, basically. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And pot says, you know, are not cheap and but I, I'm really attracted to stone with trees. I love pots too, but I, I like the contrast in the garden of having flat stone and like bouldery stone with trees planted in them. So can't can't really get more natural than that, right? Yeah, it's tree and stone. Yeah, I love that. So 
I thought about trying the tree and driftwood thing, but as in, I haven't found the right tree and driftwoods, you know, that seem like they would go together. It doesn't sure. feel as permanent to me either, but I still want to try it. Yeah. Totally. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Another question was, uh, I saw you had a, a really nice, nice little leaf linden, and I was just curious the backstory on that tree. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, I love that, that tree. So not to do too long of a story, but when I started in 2014, it was because I was going to give a quote for a customer and I walked into his backyard and he had bonsai back there, all native bonsai. And wow. I just was blown away. <clears throat> and that's what, what I, that's when I realized you could do bonsai with native trees and they weren't all karate kid junipers. Anyway, I just knew right then I was going to do bonsai, but that guy's name was Gene DC and he's really good at bonsai. And, uh, he passed away a couple years ago and in his will, he had left me that tree, which was, was, <sighs> if not his favorite tree, one of his favorite trees. And he was just like the nicest. He was my Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> you know, he just was the awesome guy, very peaceful. Like he just was anyway. anyway so I'll, I'll always have that tree and, and think of Gene. It was, and it's, I found out later that the other guy that I've been working with, Bruce Baker actually started that tree decades ago and Gene got it from him. So it's kind of a big circle of it's gone from Bruce to my friend Gene and now I have it. So I feel pretty oh, blessed to have that tree. Yeah. What a cool story. It, yeah. It's kind of cool. I'm glad you got it. That's so awesome. Yeah. I was just appreciating it today. Actually, I was in the garden before we did this and it just looks so cool. I love Linden, especially in the spring. It comes out with these really pretty buds and it's, that tree is always so healthy too. It makes me want to look for more Linden. Totally. But, totally. Yeah. Yep. Very so, cool. Yeah. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, I think that's kind of all all the questions that I had. It's been absolutely awesome talking to you. Yeah, and, enjoyed uh, it. I've really enjoyed following along on your Instagram. Everyone should definitely check that out. It's you do a really good job with it. All your videos are really fun. Um, I like well, all. <laughs> it's funny. I just read one. It said something like, uh, "In this lighting makes everything." extra spicy. Yeah. And, uh, I just love that term saying yeah. they're spicy. Love <laughs> nice. it. Yeah. yeah. And the, the Instagram thing, especially when I first started doing the videos, I'm like, geez, this is kind of corny, but I don't know. I, I'm out here in Northern Michigan. Basically I live in the woods. There's not that many bonsai people around. So it's, it feels like a fun social way to kind of get involved a little bit more. So it's fun. Well, you're doing a great job with it. Really. Well, thanks. I love your yeah. Instagram too. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. So, well, awesome. Uh, yeah, that was great fun. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Is there anything else that maybe I didn't touch on or any, any other points that you wanted to? Well, I don't have anywhere to direct people for a business or anything. So no, I think uh, <laughs> just if you want to check out my Instagram and if you don't want to, that's fine too. <laughs> so. Awesome, man. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much, Matt. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much. That was great. It was my first podcast ever, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. All right. <laughs>